We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I don't know about everyone listening, but after a long day of work, I just need to come home to a nice, refreshing tall boy to ease my stress. I actually just had three or four last night, if I'm being honest. No, not those tall boys. A refreshing tall can of liquid death was exactly what I needed. If you've noticed a new tall boy can in the water section that looks like a beer or an energy drink, it's actually liquid death, a mountain spring water from the Alps that comes in still, sparkling, or in three different flavors. Try the lime, trust me. Why is the water called liquid death, you ask? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. There's just something special about grabbing an ice cold can of liquid death, hearing the pop when you open it, and quenching your thirst with the best tasting still or sparkling water on the market. I honestly could not go back to bottles even if I wanted to. As I mentioned, I can't recommend the sparkling lime liquid death enough. It has the perfect lime flavor to go with a crisp, refreshing finish. It's also the best water to mess with just about everyone you know, as they probably think you're chugging a beer in your car or a work meeting at about 9am. Seriously guys, check this product out. I've been absolutely loving it and I know you will too. Go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee. Or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash packaday. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday. Twenty minutes a day. Three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome to the post-London game, Pack-A-Day podcast. Um, that game, usually we do the game recap, or uh, the pre-game show. We're doing a game recap today. Uh, I'm your host, Jimmy Christensen. Nick and Gage aren't here today, so I'm joined by Todd. And I don't think I've ever been less happy to see you, Todd. I am typically uh, the rose colored glasses, everything, you know, 
keep people calm. The world's not collapsing. This team's fine type of guy. I text you and told you, let's just hurry up and get this done and over with. I'm tired of talking. Like, I, I don't want to be in this anymore. I don't, I've, I'm going to go do anything I can after this to forget that this game happened. That was disgusting. Absolutely gross on all levels after what the first quarter. Yeah, pretty much. Like, I guess my, my question to you, I was legitimately concerned. I was sitting there watching the game. And especially in the fourth quarter, I thought Todd's drinking again. There's no like <laughs> this game's gonna drive Todd to drink again. It crossed my mind. It it really <laughs> did. I was like, how can I forget that this happened? I could black out. Um, I, I'm not. I didn't. Uh, we're we're rocking a, a water here, so we're good still. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get outside and go for a, a nice long walk. I think after this. <laughs> All right, so. The start of the game, like it started, it started normally like Packers aren't the hottest starting team, but at the end of the half, it was 20 to three or no, no, 20 to 10. I, yeah, I, it started exactly how I thought it would. I thought this team was going to come out and roll. This was going to be the week they put it together. You know, I've been saying for the last couple of weeks as, as you've been freaking out that this team doesn't look cohesive they're, they've not been freaking out though. you have been you've been in absolute panic mode and i've been saying you know they they didn't have the preseason and and you asked me a great question at what point is that no longer an excuse because they've had four games together now to do this this being their fifth it doesn't look like it would have mattered if they played preseason or not they they don't look good yeah and the thing i think we've seen from a lot of teams that we faced that we just, it, especially on the defensive side of the ball is the offense will make adjustments, but our defense will not make adjustments to match that. We had success in the first half. And then in the second half, the giants, they made, they were short passes. Daniel Jones looked incredible on that final drive to, to get the lead of the game. Uh, but our defense just was, they were just getting pushed over. The middle of the field was wide open. Daniel Jones just seemed to, I, at one point that final drive, he was seven for seven for 52 yards. And then add on top of that 25 yards rushing. Like he, he was like Lamar Jackson for that I, team today. I almost tweeted Daniel Jackson at one point, but I was like, That's, <laughs> those are just two, like far too generic names. Like it, that's going to hit just a specific subset of people that are going to understand what I'm trying to do. So I'm glad you brought that up because it, it, here's a guy that we assumed if he did play, wasn't going to be mobile. And he looked like that ankle was just fine. I, maybe, maybe the giants played chess all week and we're really talking that up more than, than what it was. Um, but yeah, the defense, it, it wasn't just that they played bad a lot of bad penalties today. They had two holding calls in the secondary that negated sacks. They had that, that bad personal foul by uh, Douglas at the end there Mm -hmm. to let them go ahead and get in there. And then on offense, what really shocked me was after the giants tied it up, this team does what Matt LaFleur does. Anytime he feels like, you know, that there's an issue is they go into to hero ball mode and, and start to panic and came out and went three and out on three passes that you're going, hey, man, the defense just was out there 
for an eight plus minute drive. Yep. And your response to that was, we're going to go three and out. I mean, forcing the ball deep, it hasn't been there, not just today. It hasn't been there all year. Yeah. And and I don't think it's been uh, a Christian Watson. You and I were, were going back and forth at halftime, which was a, <laughs> a great way. It was the quickest halftime uh, I, I remember experiencing in a long time. Uh, because you wanted Christian Watson out there for the two-minute drill, which yeah. I, I get where you're coming from. You want to try and stretch that defense. There's a lot more that goes into it rather than just running a go route there. But also Christian Watson hasn't proven that he can be that guy while he's in there this year. And oh, by the way, uh, he's got a hamstring issue still. No, yeah. And again, yeah. like, which I wonder if that's part of why they don't have him out there doing that is they don't want him running at full speed yet to try and burn guys knowing that that hamstring is not where it needs to be. But then why is he on my thing? My only thing yeah. to that is then why is he kickoff return? Because that, <laughs> because that is who else? Speed making because cuts. who else? <laughs> my question for you, Jimmy, let's, let's start on offense. Yeah. What is the identity of this offense? Do they have one at this point? Are they a run team? Are they a pass team? Are they uh, go? What do you, <laughs> it is. I, I, I feel like Rogers is having a midlife crisis to where he wants it to still be an offense, like a pass first offense on the rhythm. He's making these impressive throws. It's just not anymore. The identity needs to be the run team. It's not right now. And it should be because in the first half when the offense was going, we were running the ball. Jones was having success. Dylan was averaging like six yards a carry. At one point, it like towards the end of the fourth quarter when we were down, Jones and Dylan had 15 total carries combined, averaging 5.2 yards a carry. For them not to be doing that, and especially on that drive that you mentioned where Rodgers is just doing his three deep balls and they take 15 seconds off the clock and the defense is back on the field of like, well, now what do you expect the defense to do? They just got... They just got exhausted 15 seconds ago on an eight, like you said, an eight minute drive. And now they're back out there. Um, so I think right now they don't have an identity, but it needs to be the run. And I don't know how much blame. This is a thing fans are never going to know because Rogers isn't going to take the blame for it. LaFleur is going to take the blame for it, regardless if it's his fault or not. Are these pass plays Rogers checking into that? Or is this the design play call? Because we saw that on that fourth and two, when, Rodgers, he had that shoulder tap. People, if Mark Sanchez can tell what play you're about to run, you are in trouble. And the second Rodgers tapped his shoulders, he called what was about to happen. It was a one-on-one -on, -one on the outside with Lazard on fourth and two. That's a great play on first and goal. That's not a great play on fourth and two when you need to you need two yards to win to keep the drive alive. And so I don't know if what's happening if it's Lafleur's play calling is really this bad or Rodgers is just checking into these these plays that he thinks he can make right now, which he just, as you said, hasn't been able to make this season. Yeah. And on that one too, I mean, the, the coverage that was there, even if that ball gets, gets to Lazard, it looked like you're throwing that just hoping for a PI call. Like that's, yep. that's what was there. The other thing with this, this team, how much longer is Elton Jenkins at, right tackle going to be an experience uh, it's an experiment at this point like yeah i i get it what they had seen from him in the past was hey we could have two phenomenal tackles you don't have that 
at this point. So not only that, you shift him back over to left guard, you shift John Runyon Jr. to right guard, and that that's your five best right there. Um, because I, I don't think they've got their five best out there right now. Yeah. And I think, I think Elton Jenkins at right tackle is, is a great example of a small sample size, making you think the, something that's not true. Cause he looked great at right tackle on his like 33 snaps he had there before the season, but that's just not his natural position. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think like the first step that has to happen is Bakhtiari can't be on this play count um, or the snap count. So whenever that gets resolved, I know they mentioned the flight maybe changed from going to every every two series and then one off um, to one on one off this this week plus the turf. I really don't know what the rationale is, um, but also it's we had we went without him for so long that I understand being super precautious um, or cautious. But we'll see. I was uh, say, is precautious a word? Yeah, no, precautious is definitely not a word. Let's My brain is one. just jumbled. That yeah, it's yeah. it's a word now. Um, I don't know, but I agree with you. I don't think that's their best five. Um, but the first thing is Bakhtiari needs to be healthy and then they need to get, they need to get Yash Napster and we haven't seen him at right tackle either. So is that really going to be the answer? I know we have Zach Tom that people were high about in preseason. That's preseason. Can it be worse? I don't think so. And I think solidifying that left side of the ball will make up even if there's even if it is a slight drop at that right tackle play that left side being so strong Josh Meyer now really only having to work he'll still have his assignments but more or less focusing on helping running on the right side yep. is going to be a, a huge bump and I never thought I would I would say this for gameplay aspect I missed him just for his personality but I miss Billy Turner <laughs> <laughs> Oh that's you know you know the season <laughs> is not going a direction you want it to when when that's being said after week five. Um, let's same question out to the defensive side. Is there an identity there? Because we were you and I were on that train. You and I were in the front of that train, mm-hmm. pulling the whistle, letting people know this defense is going to be good, and this defense is not. The secondary hasn't played great. Uh, I. Again, I don't know that sitting in zone a lot of times is the answer to this, but even then the the defense uh, the defensive front hasn't looked great. I think Jerron Reed might be the the best player up front so far this season. I think I still think it's Kenny Clark. I just don't think he's getting those sacks as like as many sacks or like big stats, but the way he's pushing that offensive line back and he seems to be involved in every play. Um and then you have Rashawn Gary make splash plays, but then him and Preston also get themselves too aggressive sometimes to where the right, the edge isn't sealed or the quarterback's able to scramble. Um, it should have been the secondary. And I think the biggest thing we're seeing this year is Douglas is struggling in the slot. He was, he had that big holding call where he, he held on the receiver, making a cut, then fell into another receiver <laughs> causing a penalty then he had the unsportsmanlike conduct that was really just completely unnecessary. Seemed just out of frustration at that point. Um, and people on Twitter last week uh, were saying too, it might be smart. Like he's better on the outside, putting Alexander in the slot. Some your best playmaker closer to the ball as well. He's able to. He's so fast. He's shifty. Like I think that'd be a move that they might start exploring. But 
from what what I went of this secondary is going to be the identity. We'll have a good pass rush, but there also will be some covered sacks we'll get from the secondary. It just isn't happening this year. But like, do you think there's an identity on this defense right now? I don't. I really don't. Um, other than let's just keep doing things that expose how bad Darnell Savage is. Uh, <laughs> because he I, I mentioned, you know, the, the plays that he missed on last week and he, he did it again this week. He gets lost in zone coverage. He doesn't get to his drops. Yeah. Tackling isn't his strong suit. So if you're a safety and you can't make tackles and you can't yep. cover, uh, let's go to the bobs from office space. What is it you say you would do here? Yeah. Uh, Cause I, I don't know what he's supposed to be doing out there. And unfortunately there's no depth behind him. Yeah, no, that's the thing too. There's like, what, what do you do at this point with him? The only thing, and this is just me being so pissed off about this game. We saw Razul do some safety during training camp when Savage was out. He's struggling at slot. Nixon played well in the slot, put Nixon back there, put Razul back next to Amos. Let Savage just be an athletic freak that runs around and can hopefully make plays because right now his assignments aren't going well. Like, we were we did well in the first half. We went into halftime with the lead. If Daniel Jones hit Slayton with a ball in front of him or on his body, not where Slayton's putting his hands behind him trying to catch it, that's a touchdown. Like Savage just completely botched that coverage right there, took a wrong angle, dove for the ball to make it look like he was somewhat close to it. But that was that was such a bad ball that the receiver couldn't even reach back for it. And Darnell Savage diving, it was off his fingertips. Like yep. that was, it was such a bad ball that what, what are you doing? You're so far out of position on that Darnell. Like how do you, and when they showed that replay back, he was standing flat footed until the receiver came up and made his break. Yeah. Like I, I you got it. You got to at least be moving your feet, doing something so that you can break. Because as soon as that break happened, He's three steps behind before he gets going. I don't care who you are and what kind of acceleration you have. If you're flat-footed when a guy breaks at full speed, yeah. you're going to get burned. Maybe he was just hoping Slayton would go the other way, just away from his zone area, and he wouldn't have to deal with it. <laughs> right. That's like the only explanation I could think of. Yeah. He's like, just don't come by me. Don't in, come in by which me. Case, in which case, then start shading to the inside, <laughs> hoping that it's an option route and he'll break it to the out, right? Like just cheat it to push him the way you want him to go. Oh my like when it's like basketball, when, when you were a kid and it, you got a guy that, you know, he can't dribble with his left hand. So you, when he comes down the court and gets the ball, you just stand on, on the right side and make him go left. <laughs> like, dude, this, this is what I want you to do. You're going to beat yeah. me with your right hand, so I'm not going to let you use it. Let's go. Yeah. I just, I don't know. The, it, it honestly was just like the tale of two halves for this game. Of, And I think it goes back to the adjustments that the Giants made and the Packers didn't because, and just the defense wearing down, which I guess kind of goes to another concern that I have is, do you think with the lack of depth, especially with Devondre Campbell playing literally every snap so far, at linebacker uh Rashawn and Preston behind them it's it's Kingsley and Garvin like they're getting a lot of snaps as well 
Like, I feel like there's a rotational piece that going in there just to give them a break. So then when we have these eight minute drives, you're able to give them some type of breather to where when they're in, they're not just like half-assing it and not, not half-assing it, but they're just out of energy. Yeah. And I mean, we've seen it a lot in the past. Like I would assume that there's going to be a veteran that comes in at some point uh, into this rotation, either, either at safety or edge or both. I mean, it, I wouldn't put it past this team. We've seen them do that year after year. Uh, this front office bring people in. Uh, a note here, a uh, tweet from Matt Schneidman. Razul Douglas dropped a handful of F-bombs in his post-game session with reporters and was perplexed at the penalties called on him. Pointed out th- that three of, uh, came from the same ref and said he was told after his late tackle for unnecessary roughness that he was, quote, bigger than Darius Slayton. He clearly held on both of the holding calls. Yes. That was clearly unnecessary roughness. Yes. And his response is, well, they all came from the same ref and told me that I was bigger than him. Okay. It was still unnecessary roughness. You still held. So you may have started noticing that there's some strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, it's not actually beer. It's mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called liquid death. Why is this water called liquid death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirsts, and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They'll also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. See, what you may not know is that most plastic isn't actually recyclable anymore, and the plastic you throw in a recycling bin actually just gets sent to a landfill because it's not profitable to recycle. Aluminum is infinitely recyclable and actually profitable for recycling facilities. So go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with our store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash packaday, P-A-C-K-A-D-A-Y. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price Priceline.
Yeah, when you have eight whistles and then you slam him down, there's no, like, I didn't hear it. I'm like, okay, maybe the first one. But when yeah. you get to, like, eight was an exaggeration. But they were, when you get to, like, there, there was plenty of time. whistles. Yeah. yeah, you get to four different whistles and then you slam him. Like, I don't, he was probably just saying, like, dude, you're bigger than him. Why are you slamming him after the play? Yeah. Like, more of a, like, that could injure somebody type of comment than that's why I called the penalty. Yeah. Just. No accountability, man. Well, and to have, again, there was the one on him. Uh, and then I think did Savage have the other defensive hold that negated a sack as well. I know there were, there were two holds on the secondary that negated sacks. And I think Savage had the other one. Yeah. I, yeah, they need to, like, I can't, Obviously, we're both idiots, so like, no idea that we're going to come up with is going to be like, this is going to fix the Packers' defense. But if we're able to tell, like, hey, something needs to change, it must be pretty bad. Yeah, like, I just – I don't know that you see a ton of pressure on quarterbacks. There's not a lot of blitz. Like, everything's just very vanilla, which was great the first week if that's – you're just trying to get guys out there and go through the motions and understand. But you're you're five weeks in and you – haven't done anything that you're going okay oh wow they're good at disguising their coverages oh they're good at disguising their blitzes they're just coming up and, and doing things and yeah. it it's painful to watch it's just like you said is you know on, on offense mark sanchez knew that that ball was going to lazard mm-hmm. you're not disguising anything this defense isn't either yeah and the second rogers tapped his shoulders the two edge rushers both pointed. Right, both pointed. Like yeah. they knew too. The, the yeah. second Rodgers tapped his shoulders, they knew the play, which went into why they were able to tip the ball because they knew snapping it, looking to Lazard, throwing it. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, my question to you is: so this is two seasons in a row. Lafleur early on in the season had to go to Joe Barry and correct his defense. Last year it was, you need to be more aggressive. This year, when you know a team's gonna want to run. You need to put more people in the box. Those are two times the head coach has to go kind of micromanage somewhat obvious things for the defensive coordinator while he is the head of the offense. At some point, does it become a concern that LaFleur is needing to worry too much about that defense? I know he's the head coach, but when you're kind of like, he's the head coach, really the offensive coordinator, you need somebody on that defense side of the ball that can be completely, have complete autonomy and do the right things. And I feel like it's been two seasons in a row where Joe Barry has needed LaFleur's guidance. Which I don't know is a bad thing. Cause I would assume that you have those conversations of here's the style of play we want to see. And I would guess that, that Matt LaFleur gave Joe Barry the ability to say, here's what I think is going to be best for this defense. And here's how they, they're going to operate and how we're going to be the most successful with it. And if it doesn't work at some point, it is on the head coach to go to him and say, okay, we're switching it up. Just like, yeah. even if, even if you're a, an offensive minded coach who lets someone else call the plays or, or even a defensive minded co- head coach that, that you're going to go to your offensive coordinator in key situations and say, we're going for it on fourth down here, or, you know, here's, here's, the change that we need to see, you know, those things are going to happen. So I don't know that it really takes a whole lot of Matt's time 
to go to Joe and say, whatever you're doing, fucking stop. Sorry, yeah. I don't know if I can swear on here, Andy. Uh, <laughs> he's got a little bit different crowd than we're than I'm used to, but I, I don't know that I'm the only one dropping f bombs after that game. And, and for us to get 22 minutes into a recording, and that's the first one, <laughs> I would that's like pretty to point good out for after that game that that's pretty good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just something has to change, and I, I don't know that it's bad that Lafleur has to be because again, it might be a thing where I, I hate to use the, the NBA term. It almost feels like load management at times where Mm -hmm. not necessarily, you know, having guys out there, but just not putting them in positions where they've got to exert themselves a hundred percent, every single play they're, they're limiting that, which would lean to more of the zone coverage that we're seeing, less of the exotic blitzes, just like, hey, we're going to go out there and ball with the guys that we've got and see what happens from there. Uh, but so yeah. far, I don't know that the guys that they've got are better than the guys they're going against playing that style of defense. Yeah. So before we kind of start moving into the to wrapping this up, I guess my, my question to you right now, biggest concern going forward, like, is it the offense or is it the defense? I think it's the offense uh, because plain and simple, this defense, it's a, it, it is a bend and don't break defense. Unfortunately, they've been breaking. Uh, they broke a lot today, but that has a lot to do with the offense, not yep. keeping them off the field. The, the more this offense can be on the field, the more they can score points or at least sustain drives and give this defense a rest. I don't think there was a person in the world that thought this defense was going to stop them after that three and out. You knew points were getting put up on the board. It was just a matter of how many, Mm -hmm. because that's, (laughs) they just been out there for an eight minute drive. Yeah. So at, at some point that's going to break right now, this offense has to get something going. Like you said, for this to be uh, a team they're they're not new. Sure, there's some new receivers out there. The tight ends, the offensive line, the quarterback, the running backs. These guys aren't new to this. And also, Lazard and Cobb are playing the majority of the snaps at wide receiver. They're also not new to this. And for this offense to not have an identity at this point, you can't point to Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson and say, well, we've got rookies playing wide receiver. So that's the problem. Yeah. That's not the problem at all. Yeah. And you had this. I'm with you. I definitely think it's the offense. And the, the last time I harp on this, you have you have teams that their one running back will get 25 carries a game. Sometimes, sometimes when you get the Titans, Derrick can only have 30 carries a game. And Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon combined for 19 carries. Almost 100 yards. Aaron Jones, 4.8 yards per carry. A.J. Dillon, 5.7 yards per carry. They're going against one of the worst run defensive coming into this week. And it's just, that's what worries me about the offense, is they're not taking what, what's there for them to be the most successful. It's like they have an idea in their mind of, I don't know this. This is just my dumb opinion, but I, I put it more on Rodgers. Like, I feel like he has an idea in his mind on how an Aaron Rodgers offense needs to look. And he's taking things that aren't there. Rather than, oh, I have two running backs that are doing really well today. Let's just keep running this ball. 
And that's been a, that's been kind of a trend throughout the season so far. And I think so. I think that's where my biggest worry of the offense offense comes. I think the defense will get an identity, and I'm just worried the offense, even though they have one there, so easy for them to just grab onto and be a run first team. Even though they'll say it, we just haven't seen it yet. Um, and so I think that's where my biggest concern comes from. I love that Cobb had, Cobb had a great game, seven receptions, 99 yards. That's great. But I don't think you're going to be in 2022. You're not going to be a successful offense if Randall Cobb is getting 13 targets a game. I don't think that's a recipe for success. No. And I mean, they got so the Packers first possession in the second half. They're up 13 to seven or I'm, I'm sorry, 13 to 20. Like that's when you you just start running the ball. You just start yep. handing it off and just melt that clock down. And they didn't do that, um, which is just wrong on so many levels. Um, who do you think – so we're – I hate that they added a 17th game only because it doesn't give us an easy – we're a quarter of the way into the season. Yep. We're, we're beyond a quarter of the way through the season now. Who's done their job the best this year? Um, I think it, I think it has to be, I'm cheating. I'm gonna give you one offense, one defense. I think it has to be Aaron Jones on the offense in the limited amount of touch or like the touches he is getting, they, he is producing, uh, he's the best player on offense right now, hands down. Um, and on defense, I think it's Kenny Clark. He's, he's providing pressures from the middle, which is opening up, which is opening up Preston and Rashawn to have such a great season. When you have that guy in the middle, he was putting up through the first four weeks. I haven't seen like the updated stats after this game, but he was putting up like Aaron Donald level performance. And he's, so I think he's one that's doing his job. But besides that, it's, it's really hard to pinpoint who's actually like killing it right now for the team. Do you have anyone different? I do. Who's yours? And Pat I don't I'm actually going to get his name right. Pat O'Donnell <laughs> might be the yeah. only guy that you can say is consistently out there doing his job. I think probably uh, by yardage, his worst punt of the year happened today, which was bad because it hit off of a Giants player and then ended up getting a Giants bounce and going out of bounds. Unfortunately, uh, Sean Nixon couldn't jump on that, but like the, that might be yardage wise, his worst punt of the year. And it was actually could have worked out really well. So yeah, I, his he's pinning teams deep. Unfortunately, this bend don't break defense is just bending all the way down to points every time. So to keep it in special teams, my last uh, question before we wrap it up, with just looking super, super quick at the jets next week, Amari Rogers is off this team, right? I, I initially, yes. I, I text you immediately after that fumbled punt return. Seeing Christian Watson returning kicks today tells you they don't even, they want Amari out there as little as possible. If your mm -hmm. only job in the NFL is to return punts and you fumble returning a punt, your days are numbered. My biggest concern there is do they have somebody else ready to start returning punts and kicks because with Watson uh, re-aggravating that hamstring again, I'm assuming it's the same one. Uh, 
I doubt he's going to be returning kicks next week. And the fact that Amari was still out there returning punts tells me they don't have anybody else at this point. They're comfortable putting back there. I think maybe just rush another guy and don't put anyone deep or even <laughs> yeah, just, just, say, play, just play with 10 guys. Maybe like, <laughs> I don't know. They did sign that cornerback um, who was a return guy. He's on their practice squad right now. So maybe that's something to look into in the future. Try to see if there's a team that would trade for Amari. I still think there is. I think we were different on that. I think a team could convince themselves for a third round player who just hasn't had an opportunity on offense to trade a sixth or seventh round pick for him. My thought is Tyler Irvin was able to pick up this offense and make a difference. And he was talked about a lot about not being a real smart guy uh, when it comes to picking up offenses. He was able to come in and do it. Uh, Tavon Austin was able to see snaps on this team. And the fact that Amari Rogers now in his second year can't get on the field and he's got a guy like Randall Cobb to mentor him. They've, they have a relationship going all the way back to Randall Cobb playing for Amari's dad. Yeah. I don't know what team goes, Oh, we've got a better situation for Amari Rogers uh, here. We can fix this. Falcons. They're going to have the Cordell Patterson thought in their mind that they can make Amari Rogers great again. What do you mean again? In college, he was good, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. All right. Last question before we wrap it up. Going into this week, I was confident, obviously looked like an idiot. Looking ahead to next week, I was very confident against the Jets. After today, my confidence level went from extremely confident to I'm a little confident, and that scares me for this Jets game. Where are you? I'm very confident going into this Jets game. Uh, I don't have the stats in front of me right now, but I don't know that this team under Matt LaFleur has lost back-to-back games. Uh, and if they have, it hasn't happened often. Yeah. Also, if there's one thing we've seen an Aaron Rodgers team do, it's play like their pants are on fire when they're pissed off. And yeah. if you think this team is just going to get on the flight and come back across the pond and be like, oh, well, that was a fun little trip. Too bad we lost. Uh, what's next? You're wrong. This team is going to come out next week. Uh, and it, it's it's going to be a, uh, it's either going to be a, a really bad shit show because they're going to be exhausted or like uh, RIP to the Jets. We might bury your entire franchise. Robert Salah worries me a little bit just because he was a part of that 49ers team that just kind of knew how to stop Rodgers and the Packers offense. Granted, they don't have the piece on that defense that the 49ers do, obviously, but I just, anyone that comes from that 49ers team and we have to place that, uh, face them. I feel like I just get PTSD and it makes me probably irrationally nervous, but I definitely am. I'm not. I don't I don't think nervous is a, a thing to have this week. I mean the Jets are bad. They're just flat out bad. Yeah. Uh, probably the second worst team that that the Packers have seen this year. Uh shout out to the Bears for being terrible. <laughs> uh, All right, well. I'd, yeah. Matt LaFleur, hide your wife from Zach Wilson. And for all the London people, she's I'm very she's too young. For all the London people, I'm very sorry. This is a game that you guys waited for for so long. 
and uh, had to watch over there. Um, but today sucked. There's no gain around that. We got a new week next week against the Jets. Hopefully they bounce back. Like Todd said, we haven't lost back-to-back games. Uh, and as he wisely also put, Packers play great when they're pissed off. So if they're not pissed off from this game, uh, I think we have a bigger problem. So uh, thanks for listening. Hopefully next week's better. And as always, go Pack Go. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.